Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! <laughs> My beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 90, y'all. Can you believe it? I can't. And tonight, it's Friday the 13th. What, what, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as according to tradition, it is time for another one of my infamous Friday the 13th Spectaculars. And we are up to Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. And as usual, I'll be recounting all the magical memories of the first time I saw this piece of cinema and what I think about it now. I know it's been a long time since we've had a real show, so why don't I stop yapping and start the business? The business. The business, business, business. What's happening? I don't know. I'm out of practice. And let's play a promo now. In the wee hours of the night, a bone-chilling scream is followed by the call of murder. In the filthy streets of the Five Points, two bodies are discovered, both gruesomely slain. And that's where you come in. The Ryan Case 1873 is an interactive murder mystery where you and your team of detectives travel throughout the Five Points, meeting all sorts of unsavory characters. Time out in New York calls the Ryan Case CSI in the 1870s. For tickets and for more info, www.liveintheater.com or call 212-780-4787. Hello again, everybody. Oh my God, it's so good to be doing a real show with everybody. It's been like 17,000 years. As a matter of fact, I kind of feel the need to reintroduce myself. It's been so long. Hi, my name's Patrick. I'm a horror movie fan and I'm the host of this podcast. Um, We're going to be talking about stuff like my life and other movies that I've seen. And of course, this week's feature on listener voicemail. Why am I talking like that? I don't know. Yeah, we're finally having listener voicemail. I didn't get anything new. It's all a month old, but I'm finally, finally dealing with it. And I do apologize for the last month. But um, as most of you know, I've been working on my very first professional audiobook contract, which is something that started here, which is cool because I started reading uh, listener short stories and it's led to an actual career now, like paying money career and shit. But it turns out the audiobook world is a hell of a lot harder than just doing a podcast. Uh, hold on a second. My Xbox just turned on for no apparent reason. God damn you, Connect! You're so annoying. Okay, maybe that was Scott, our ghost, that turned it on. Or more likely, it was Tyler Poo Kitty. Who's sitting over there? He's very distressed because Brad's not home right now. And Brad's always home, but that's not the point right now. Um, where was I saying? Oh, yeah, but the book's been hard. The audio quality has to be much tighter and cleaner than it needs to be for podcasting. Yeah, you like it dirty and loose. That's what you like, huh? <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. And the editing process, the recording of it was one thing. As you, many of you know, I've been doing it in my closet because I don't have a sound booth. And the editing has just been painful and very stressful. But it's done as of last night. The first round of recording and editing is done. Now, it's all been sent off to quality control, and they'll check everything to make that it's word perfect and that I don't overwhelm everything with mouth noises. Do you know what a 
pain in the ass mouth noises are? Do you have any idea how much sound your mouth makes besides blah, 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 blah? Like your tongue is popping and cracking and your lips, like you hear everything when you're in a soundproof booth. I mean, I'm sure you hear it here too, but you know what? You like, you want to hear my tongue. You want to hear my lips go, you know you do. You love it. But people paying money, money don't want to hear that. They're not, they're, they're not intimate with you. They're not intimate with me like you guys are. Ooh, this is just such a, yeah, I'm sorry, the book is erotica, so now everything is sexy. Okay, but the book's going to be called, well, it is called Marilyn. I don't know when it's going to be out, but believe me, when it is, you will know. And you will buy it, or I will kill you. Because daddy needs some money. He needs a new pair of shoes, and he needs to pay this fucking rent that just went up $100. Oh, my God. Okay, what are we talking about? What's been going on here besides that? Well, honestly, not a whole hell of a lot. To be perfectly honest, yesterday. The, the deadline to get it in was today, Friday the 13th, which, which is today, right? There. Isn't that amazing? Whoa, spooky. We're talking about Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th. What? Oh, my God. But as of yesterday, there were four chapters that disappeared that I had to re-record and re-edit and this mouth noise thing. I'm obsessed about it. I thought maybe there would just be some kind of tool in Audacity or Adobe that you could just go, wish, wash, it goes away. No, no. Well, apparently there isn't like Pro Tools, but I don't have $600 to plunk down on Pro Tools. So I just said, fuck it. Let quality control figure it out. If they don't like it, they could send it back, right? And I can get paid more. No, that's not true. I get paid per finished hour. Not for the amount of time I spend, but that's not the point right now. At a certain point yesterday afternoon, I started to feel myself breaking with sanity. And not just like, oh, I'm so stressed. I'm so mad. Like, no. Like, reality started to bend and warp and woof, if you will. I heard myself all of a sudden having conversations with nobody while I'm editing. Angry, nonsensical conversations, and I couldn't stop them. And then I would cackle maniacally in a laugh that I don't normally have. And I said, who is this person? I'm actually losing my mind. Hey, Bradford, you're not the only crazy one here now. Yay! But, alas, it's over, it's done, and let's not talk about it anymore until when I start talking about it again. So what's been going on here at Scream Queen's headquarters? Um, like I said, not much. So let's make fun of Brad. Okay. <laughs> I mentioned on the show that our neighborhood formed its first gay and lesbian group uh, called Sunnyside Out, since Sunnyside is the name of our little neighborhood in Queens. And uh, it meets on Friday at bar, at a bar, and we go every week. And this one day they served Long Island iced teas, and we got shit faced, like unpleasantly shit faced. It ended in a fight later on that evening, but that's not the point right now. We're walking home the block and a half from the bar, and it's dark. And you know, I get loud when I get drunk. I know you're shocked. I get really loud, and I get extra crass. Like my filters that I don't normally have anyway are completely gone. Any residual of a filter, woof, out the window. And Brad and I walk it back, and I know I'm being loud about something. Probably, I don't know, something obscene or racist or something. I don't know. Something completely, completely inappropriate for polite conversation. And there was some guy walking his dog on the other side of the street, like maybe 20 feet behind us. And Brad was just like, would you be quiet? That guy with the dog's going to hear. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, as 
through this group are realizing there's a hell of a lot more gay people in our neighborhood than we thought. Like, it's been gay, getting gayer and gayer every day, which is great. But so now every time you see, like, a guy walking by himself, you're like, hmm. And so, of course, I know Bradford's like, hmm, because I was like, hmm, but I was being loud about it. And it turns out he lives in the house right next to our building. And he went up to the door. He got ahead of us somehow, probably because Bradford stopped to yell at me. And he went up to the door with the dog, and he's fumbling with the keys for a really long time. And I'm going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Bradford, as we're walking by, just drops his voice and goes, hey, how's it going, man? And I did not handle it well. I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Miss Thing, your voice just dropped an octave. He's trying to pick you up, sir. I apologize for Mr. Bradford. You better get inside right now because Mr. Brad's voice is dropping. Woo! And he was so mad at me. That was not what the fight was about later on, oddly enough. It was about Big Brother. The show. Yeah, we had like a bitch screaming fight over Big Brother. About what particularly? I don't know. But hey, speaking of Big Brother, even though it's over, I want to give a shout out to my friends Allison and Brian and Big Brother Mike over at I'm Not Here to Make Friends, a reality show podcast. Now, they're pretty much uh, just doing Big Brother now, but I was very excited because I've been tweeting them about you know what's been going on. That's how they communicate now. I don't leave my endless voicemails that I used to do. And they give me some nice compliments, so I'm going to play a little bit of the show right about now. You don't understand how happy it made me to find out that Big Brother Mike listens to the show. I don't know why this made me so happy, but it did. Like, Big Bro- like Allison and Brian are cool, but they're always there. Big Brother Mike is not always there. I don't know Big Brother Mike as well as I know them. And to hear him rave about the show made me so giggly like a little teeny tiny schoolgirl that I felt I should go next door to that guy with the dog and be like, I'm the butch one. But I didn't. That's just stupid. That's just stupid. Poor Bradford. Poor Bradford. He ain't got no teeth, and I make fun of him all the time. Anyway. Oh, it's official. UK listeners. I'm going to be heading your way this summer. I'm going to be going to London and Dublin and performing there with the New York City Gay Men's Chorus at some point, I think in June or early July. More details to follow. And it would be great to meet some of you. It would be great if some of you could see one of the shows, because... Here's the push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be singing with the London Gay Men's Chorus, and it'll be some, I don't know, arty-farty thing. But here's the thing. We've also been booked to do our specialty big gay saying, which we are now world-renowned for. And that's our pop show that, um, as is described, it's a sing-along show, obviously. It's all pop music and lots of fun and costume changes and goofiness. And the goal of the show is to be so gay that we set the gay movement back like 40 years and to be also so gay that you will never want to see another gay anything ever because by the end of it, you will be so gay, even if you are not gay, that you will have overdosed on gay. And it's a lot of fun. So you should come when there's tickets available. Yeah, okay. So uh, not much has been happening at the Jekyll and Hyde Club. It's been kind of boring lately. But the only thing we're talking about, it was a slow day. Because I work days. And uh, I guess it was a Wednesday afternoon. 
And, you know, we usually get the, the Wednesday matinee crowd in starting about, you know, 12. But I have to be there at 11. And for some reason, I don't know why we're open that early. I just don't. Because, you know, it, it's ghost town. No pun intended. And these two guys were at the bar. And immediately I'm like, gay. You know, the gaydar was like, whoop, 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 whoop. And there's nobody to talk to. Like, I'm supposed to mingle around and talk to guests. But there's like three tables. And I've talked to them. You can't keep bothering them. They want to eat. They want to talk to each other. They want to experience everything else. You can't just hound people. So, I don't know. I was refilling my drink or something and, at the bar. And I looked over. Because they clearly were giving off the vibe that we don't want to be talked to. Which was fine. Because I didn't want to talk to them anyway. I'm bored. You know, it's weird. It's like you get so sick of talking to people. I'm just like, Ugh. Ugh. You don't want to talk to me? Good. I'm going to stand around and play with myself. But I look over and I realize the younger of the two guys is on Grinder. He's cruising Grinder at the Jekyll and Hyde Club. I was like, what are you doing? A, this is a family restaurant. B, there's nobody here. C, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. D, what are you doing? Girl, give it up for five minutes. You've been glued to that thing since you got here. Life is going on. I'm like, check me out, bitch. I'm wearing a goofy monocle and a lab coat. What? What's sex? What's not sexy about that, honey? But I, I, when I finished getting my refilling my drink, I turned and I went around the couch and went past them, and I just locked eyes with the younger one on the phone. I just went, naughty boy. And he was like, oh my god, oh my god. And he was with his other friend, like. I'm like, did you really think that someone in New York City is not going to recognize Grinder? I think straight people would recognize what Grinder looks like at this point. This is a straight version of Grinder now, isn't there? But there's so many variations on it. You know, like, what is it? Uh, scruff and and the bear one and whatever. There's enough of those things that everybody knows what it looks like. And I'm sorry if you got pictures of shirtless guys up one after another. I figured out what you're doing. Who are you cruising at the Jekyll and Hyde Club? I'm kind of picturing the message like, Psst, ditch the wife and kids and meet me under the werewolf head. What? What are you doing? Come on, girl, knock it off. Now, the, uh, the Ryan case is still in full swing. I think it might be ending at the end of the month. I'm not sure. We normally go to the end of October, but the ticket schedule ends at the end of the month, so I'm a little concerned because, you know, that's money out of my ass pocket. My ass pocket? I don't have an ass pocket. That's disgusting. Anyway. <laughs> the only funny thing that's happened recently. Actually, no. There's a couple of funny things. I'm not sure if I should talk about one of them. Yet. I'll ruminate on that. Um, by the way, ruminate. When the book comes out, when the audio book comes out. See, I told you I'd talk about it again. You can make a drinking game out of every time the author uses the word ruminate. It's her favorite word ruminate and I don't think she really knows what it means but that's okay that's okay I make it work but I'm <laughs> you know, as many of you know I had um, my deviated septum fixed in April and the doctor you know prescribed that I use one of those um, little bottles that you squirt it's like a neti pop but it's a squirt bottle to rinse out my sinuses every day and since it's allergy season and everything and they're always a problem i use it every day still but i've used it before i mean i've used a neti pod for years but since the surgery this has been happening chronically 
that it could be 10 minutes after, it could be 12 hours after, but I'll tilt my head a certain way and suddenly a gallon of water pours out of my nostril, which is weird because eight ounces go in and a gallon comes out. I don't know how that happens. It's a miracle, but it's gross. This never happened before, so I asked about it on Facebook, and some other people said that, yeah, okay, that does happen, but I guess maybe that I have more room up in my sinuses now. It's actually holding water. Uh, whatever. I don't know what to go. I don't know why it happens. That's not the point right now, but I'm doing the Ryan case. I think you hear this. I think you know where this is going right now, and I and for those of you who don't know, that's the murder mystery show that I advertised earlier. I mean, it's great. Go see it. Not the point right now, but um, there's a certain point. Yeah, it's all improv, but there are certain things that have to come out, and there are, there are bits that I do pretty much regularly. I put my arm around a couple people, and I'm talking about what a great job that they did the night of the murder, because they're supposed to be police officers. And I said, oh, sure, well, you know, you arrived in town. Um, I'd like to thank you for arriving as quickly as you did, which you don't normally do in this part of town. Oh, and it was when you arrived that you told me that you had found Mr. Nicholas two floors down. <coughs> through the neck. That's all I know about that. But for that last part, I lean in really close to one of their ears and I say, you know, lying two floors down in the stairwell <laughs> through the neck. And when I did that, a gallon of water poured out of my nose into this poor woman's ear. And I'm thinking, how does one cover this? And not only am I thinking that, I'm also realizing it's not stopping. I've, I've gotten out of the position. It's still flowing freely from my nose like a waterfall. And you don't want to go chasing this waterfall because it's a snot fall. And it's just, I'm, everybody's screaming and running. And I ha the only thing I, I didn't even think about, it. I'm just like, oh, Lord of mercy, it's a miracle. Jesus Christ, it's just like when Moses brought forth water from the rocket Mariba. Praise Jesus. And I, I'm, I, 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 uh, there's no recovering from that. If it was a party, it'd be like, it's time to go home. But it was gross. So if those people are out there listening to the show by some freak chance, you're blessed. <laughs> <laughs> so what have I been watching? Uh, well, first of all, I went to see your next again. Now, I talked about it briefly on the last show that I really enjoyed it. And on second watch, I didn't enjoy it as much because I saw it on a matinee and it was pretty much empty. And when I saw it, I saw it with the Dark Side Horror Movie Meetup Group, courtesy of Rich and all those guys. And it was electric. It was that perfect storm. And it was the perfect crowd that people were yelling and screaming and talking back and laughing at all the right points. And that makes a movie watching experience, especially a horror movie experience, just electric and kinetic and alive. And a roller coaster of fun. Watching it on my own, it wasn't as much fun. So those of you who saw it by yourself and don't like it, I'm sorry. You really should have seen it with a crowd. Too bad. Too bad. And one of the complaints that I'm hearing about the movie that I find fascinating is Barbara Crampton. Now, she plays the mom in that. They're like, she wasn't used properly. She should have been the final girl, I've heard people say. I said, okay, you do realize Barbara Crampton is in her 50s now, right? Like, well, you know, she wasn't active enough, and she was kind of distant and stuff. And I said, I really dug. All she did was, you know, act distant and strange and cry. She just went to pieces. She's stronger than that. 
I said, yeah, maybe she is, but this character's not. But I didn't mind that because it said early on uh, the cute cubby guy and, and his kick-ass girlfriend are driving up, and she asks if there's going to be you know, booze there. And he says, you know, really hesitantly, he's like, I, I don't really know. You see, my mom's on medication, and that's just left there. So whenever you see Barbara Crampton, she's a little bit spacey. So you can see she's one of these rich socialites that are heavily, heavily, heavily medicated on you know, Xanax or Valium or everything. It seems like the whole family is on oxycodone anyway, but it's, mom is clearly heavily medicated and can't cope with things. She goes to pieces even before anything happens. Even when she asks the, the heroin girl to go for milk, it's very strange, just strange scenes. She's like, yes, you can help me. We're out of milk. Maybe you could go to the neighbor's house and buy some. Which is a weird thing to say. Why don't you just go to the store? Whatever. It's okay. And when shit finally goes down, she sees her baby girl butchered right in front of her in a really, really disturbing scene. And she just loses all fight, all everything. And I, some people had a problem with that. I totally get that. Maybe that's just because I lost my sister and I know what my parents went through, that there's something wrong about a parent losing their child beforehand, especially right in front of you and in such a horrible, terrible way that you can either turn into mama cub, I mean mama bear, and start fighting or you're going to completely go to pieces. And clearly this woman wasn't put together well in the first place anyway. So Barbara Crampton, I think you were great. I think you are great, even though you didn't take your clothes off in this one. This is something I like about Barbara Crampton, and this is a totally random thing, that Barbara Crampton pretty much always takes her clothes off in anything, and yet I never think of her as a sleazy actress. Ever. I mean, she did one of the most shocking nude scenes ever in The Reanimator. Yet, I always think of her as a classy gal. So kudos to you. Kudos to you, Barbara Crampton. What else have I seen? Oh, I saw Insidious 2. That just came out today, so I'm not going to talk about it much, but I didn't really care for it. I thought it was a little flat. It seemed really cobbled together. And considering it picks up right where the original left off, left off, I should say, everybody acts really stupidly. Rose Byrne is really stupid. She keeps saying, you know, like almost immediately she starts seeing things and she's like, shit, it's still happening. They followed us. And just because her husband says, no, it's fine. She's like, all right, let's continue to leave the family in danger. And I don't know, like the other one worked with suspense and building something, and this was just like predictable shock after predictable shock after predictable shock. Like from the beginning, it just was layering it on and didn't give any time for anything to build. It just felt like studio intervention. Not that it's bad. It's a decent matinee watch. It's worth seeing. There's a kind of back to the future twist to it that worked for me. And had they just left, I don't know, had they just trusted the script more and didn't shock full of silliness. And I'm sorry, when Lynn Shea hit the, was hit the screen, Lynn Shea makes an appearance finally and the audience went bananas. Half of them for to see the character and the other half, like me, were screaming for Lynn. I was so happy to see her and I heard people like, yeah, Lynn Shea! I mean, people besides me. I think Lynn Shea is awesome. I think she's a fearless character actor and I respect the hell out of that. She has no problem making complete ass of herself, yet she always comes off as warm and, well, you know, except when she's super gross. And even then, she's kind of warm. Ew, gross. Never mind. Lynch, you're awesome. There's a couple of horror 
related shows I saw here in New York that I'll just talk about really quickly. But one was an Irish play called The Weird. Not The Weird, The Weird, which I understand is kind of a damn. And it's really kind of plotless. It's just a bunch of dudes, old dudes, in an Irish pub on a stormy night entertaining the new gal in town, new gal in town with local ghost stories. So the story's more about the ghost stories. The, the play's more about the ghost stories than what actually happens because at the end of the night, they just close up the bar and go home. But these stories were great. Like at the time I saw them, I wasn't particularly scared by them. But since then, I can't stop thinking about them. And it's a shame. It's closing. I mean, it was extended for like five runs, extra runs, which is amazing, but it's closed now. And But hey, if you're, if you're a local theater is doing a production of, a weir, of The Weir, check it out. I liked it. The other one is a group called the um, the Immortalists, which apparently do a show every year. And this year they did something called the Cheater Club, which was like Scooby Doo with curse words, and some cool like oldie timey ghost effects. And I really got a kick out of it. Was it great? No, but I appreciate that this group does this kind of thing every year. And the Cheater Club is still running. For those of you in the New York area, it's worth a check out. I wouldn't pay full price for it, but if you can get discount tickets to it or better free tickets, it's a lot of fun. Um, is it perfect? No. Was it, was it worth a laugh? Yeah, absolutely. The, the sad thing is it takes place in Savannah. It's about the haunted history of Savannah. And, you know, of course, I'm there with Mr. Brad, who's Mr. Georgia. And the woman who runs the haunted inn is a typical Southern belle, except this actress apparently didn't know how Southern people work, that when they talk, they're never actually saying anything at face value. There's always layers of layers of what you're supposed to hear or what I'm supposed to look like. This I'm this person, so I'm going to say this because this is what I'm supposed to say. But by the way, this is what I really mean. It's so buried under everything. But everything she said was point blank, exactly what I'm thinking. No, that's not how it works. Mr. Brad was like, no, 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 no. Someone needs to – he's like, I need to go backstage and tutor this girl right now. I said, yeah, I'm sure she wouldn't be terrified of you at all, Mr. Jack-o'-lantern mouth. No, I'm just kidding. I shouldn't make fun of him. That. He can't help that his teeth are falling out. And plus he's wearing a flipper now. I thought a flipper was those things from Tyler's and Tierra's, but apparently it's a mouthpiece with fake teeth on it. Well, actually, it's his teeth blue, whatever it is. But anyway, Mr. Brad needs dental help and you shouldn't make fun of him. He's doing everything he can. And the system keeps fucking him over and it's not funny. So Patrick, stop making fun of him, especially at a public forum. What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? You've been talking for half an hour and you haven't been starting the show. So... Let's play a little music. Let's get ready for some Friday the 13th Part 6 Spectacular and Pussy Farts. Just cause, I don't know. Shut up. Well, kids, as we've established today, as I'm recording this, is Friday the 13th, which of course means 
it's time, as you know, for another Friday the 13th Spectacular! Strike up the music, the band is begun. Now, I know some of you new people are like, what the fuck was that? Why the fuck is there polka music? Because it's my spectacular, okay? Because it said so. It's unexpected, okay? Now, what's the point of these? Haven't we all heard about Friday the 13th enough? No, new listeners, we haven't. Because my angle on it is that I'm old. I am very, 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 very old. So I saw a lot of these things first run. I know a lot of youngins got it later on VHS or on cable or whatever, but I was there. I was there when nobody knew nothing about nothing. So it was always a unique experience. So that's the main thing I like to bring to discussions of these Friday the 13th films. Now, over time, since the beginning of the podcast, whenever there's a Friday the 13th on the calendar, bam, it's time for another spectacular. My tongue's getting tired. Wow, I bet you never thought you'd hear me say that. But, um... Anyway, the calendar says that we are now up to Friday the 13th, part 6. Jason lives. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Now. They thought the nightmare was dead. And buried. They were wrong. Jason lives. Happy Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, part 6. Jason lives. Rated R. Starts Friday, August 1st at a theater near you. Okay, so, Friday the 13th, part 6. Now, when this came out, unfortunately, the bloom was already off the rose for me in the Friday the 13th series because part 5, for me, was a huge disappointment. It was awkward. It was clumsy. It was messy. And often very silly. So it was with a bit of trepidation. I went in to the screening of Friday the 13th Part 6 at the Roosevelt Field Shopping Mall in Garden City, Long Island with my high school friend Michael Bruno who I was, I believe at the time, doing South Pacific with. No, no, I lied. No, we were doing the Pirates. No, it couldn't have been. He was a senior. Yes, it must have been. It must have been. It simply must have been. South Pacific. Is that important to the story? No, it's, it's background, okay? He's also now teaching at my high school, which terrifies me, but that's not the point right now. The reason I went back, because I was so, so disappointed, is A, I'm a completist. I have deep roots with the series. It worked me for life, seeing that first one at the Floor Park Movie Theater with my mother, having scammed her, after having scammed her into taking me and some of the neighborhood kids into seeing it, not knowing what we were in for. But the reviews on this were pretty good. Like actual reviews in actual newspapers. You know, major newspapers were saying, actually, this one's not bad. It's got a lot of comedy to it that works. So I said, okay, I'm in. Unfortunately, that's pretty much all I've got for background for this one because I didn't like it. I know. I know. I know. I know. You all shocked me. I realized for a lot of you, for some reason, part sticks. This is the one you saw first. This is the one you saw first. I get it. This is why you like it. However, we keep coming from right from the beginning. This is why I hate it. 
Um, the first one, as I said, I didn't know what I was in for. Not as I said, we only watch monster movies and urban mysteries. These little eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old kids. We had never seen anything like this. Well, there really hadn't been anything like this. It's not the grand market, anyway. So we were scarred, we were terrified. And as I talked about it, I spent most of the first three films with my... you this one bitch and Tommy Jarvis is this movie's this one bitch if he hadn't gone to that cemetery if he hadn't been hell bent on digging up Jason and for some reason not just burning him but had to go stick that spike in him from the from the fence none of this would have happened he then spends the next hour and a half really not particularly concerned about warning people or stopping any of this he not particularly forceful kind of one note performance from this guy this dude from the return of the living dead in which he was great not in this one and even the final battle i never see him scared i never see him repentant i never see him worried never says oh my god this is all my fault i'm so sorry no it's your fucking fault it's not jason's fault jason's doing what jason does you brought him back it's your fault bitch this one bitch, you fucked up. Now everybody's gonna get cut up. Isn't it clever how I rhymed up with up? And actually, when I did a little thinking, I realized Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning, is also a this one bitch movie because I can't think of the character's name. But uh, the dude at the, the, the halfway house that cut up the annoying fat dude with the axe, it's his fault. If he hadn't killed that kid, nobody else would have died. Who's not even around for the rest of the movie? That one, bitch. 
But for some reason, that one doesn't bother me as much because he's, he's taken out of the action. Not by any means of his own. He's taken away by the police. But Tommy, he just hangs around and just is really unconvincing. This lousy job of convincing anybody that Jason is on the loose. Miserable job. Miserable job. And as I watched this one, I realized this is the one where Jason became the star of the movie. Not the star, but the superhero of the movie. Like, I don't know. Before it was about the scares and the tension and the gore, but now it's all just about Jason. Like, for me, you could take Jason out of it. I know. Shocker. Shocker. I would have been okay with Friday the 13th Part 5 had that been done better. Had it been a different killer to keep the whole theme going. I don't need Jason. I know. I know, right? But... He became a superhero in this one. People were rooting for him instead of for the characters to survive. And that I don't really dig. I never have. And there's something about when a killer is completely unstoppable, unkillable. You really don't have a chance against him. And, you know, stuff you do doesn't even slow him down. You know, he takes bullet after bullet after bullet, and he doesn't even flinch. Not even flinch. Inertia doesn't have any force on his body in this movie. He gets shot in the shoulder, and he, nothing happens. Okay, he gets a you know, rifle blast every now and then, but for the most part, I find it boring. When, you can, when there's just no chance of, of, of killing your killer. Okay, yes, of course, there is this really obtuse Achilles heel that he's given of having to get him to the bottom of the lake where he drowned. Okay. Which makes no sense because he didn't actually drown in 1957 or he wouldn't have grown. He's been living out in the woods all these years. We know that. So the lake has nothing to do with nothing. I would have liked to have found out that, oops, no, that was wrong. We have to find something else. But no, 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 no. Let me go on with why I hate this movie. There's something about it that feels like it's made for TV. Part of it is that it's lit like TV. Like a sitcom, even. Because everything is incredibly, incredibly well lit. Even when you're in the woods, you can see everything. There are no shadows anywhere. So there's never a sense of anything lurking in the shadows because there are no shadows. So when Jason pops up, he's like a jack-in-the-box. But actually, no, that's not right either because with a jack-in-the-box, there's some suspense. I'm just thinking about that scene in the original where, um, who the hell is that one? Brenda is in the bathroom after Marcy has been killed. And you know bad things have happened in there. And she's hearing the sound coming from the shower, and she keeps looking at the shower, and you kind of think, maybe, did I just see that curtain move? Wow, it's really dark back there. Jack in the Box didn't go off. That works for me. This time, every time it got to dun, 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 bang, it always went off. You knew exactly when he was going to show up and pretty much what he was going to do. I find that incredibly, incredibly boring. The actors in this, I recognize most of them from TV, which doesn't help. Their acting style is TV. 
Again, sitcom style. The movie has become a sitcom of its own rights. The kills are the setup to the jokes, and Jason is the punchline. I don't dig that. I just don't. I go to these movies to be scared. That's what got me into them in the first place. I don't go to have titters. I don't want to root for the bad guy. And then, of course, this was a victim of the time as well because, you know, with the, the censorship that started happening on this kind of a movie, it's really dry. It's not bloody at all. And since everything's so well lit, I find a lot of the special effects to look really, really rubbery. And unfortunately, this series is based on the gore. And there ain't much to talk about here. Sorry. I don't even like the characters. Granted, this, this, started, this formula started in part five, and I don't like it. Where there's all these really, really... This, there's a kind of sort of main cast that you don't really spend much time with at all. In part five, it was the kids of the house. Here, it's the counselors of the camp. But in between, there's just this random assortment of people who just pop up and die. There's no going back to anybody. It's just, I don't know. Nobody, it's, just, it's just like a mill. It's like people walking into a grinder. Okay, here's some tuna people. Let's see how long it's going to take for them to die. Boom, there we go. Next. Next. Conveyor belt. Don't dig it. And granted... Slasher movies have thrived on characters being dumb. They make dumb choices. In this, now this is me, this is, this, is, this is my little artist inside saying these people are playing dumb. Instead of being dumb. There's a kind of an acting rule. That you never play a character to be dumber than you are. Even if you're playing someone who is dumb. You have to keep the wheels in your head turning like really hard, like you're trying to think really hard, but you just always come up with the wrong thing. Otherwise, you come off as a cartoon. All these people came off as a cartoon. Not surprising, because it's a fucking sitcom, and at no point did I ever feel like anybody in this movie was genuinely afraid. People would be walking around in supposedly dark corners that weren't dark, and they never felt actually scared to me. They just seemed to be waiting to get this over with. I'm sorry. I know a lot of you, this is your favorite movie. But watching it this time, I realized I like this one less than I like part five. Because I find it boring. Really, really boring. And when you're bored, you start to notice everything that's freaking wrong. Like, for instance, in between movies, between part four, part five and part six, rather, Tommy seems to have forgot how to box or do kung fu, whatever the hell he was doing in that movie. Judo. He could kick some ass. He had a temper, and he, had, he knew some stylized fighting. He doesn't know that anymore. Part 5 told us that Jason was cremated, but now he has a cemetery burial. Okay, I realize if he doesn't have a cemetery burial, there's no body. No body. Jason can't come back. Got it. I can let that go. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, why would he have a cemetery burial? What town would put him in their cemetery? He's a killer. He's a mass murderer. He would be in the most nameless pauper's grave ever. You know, mass, you know, like when, when criminals get executed, boop, they go in the cemetery. Graveyard, there's no marker. 
maybe get a number. That's it. And why the fuck does Tommy have the hockey mask anyway? Wouldn't that be police evidence? See, I get nitpicky. Now, there are some things in the movie that I like. The scene with the, the folks in the car, with the guy whose name just completely went out of my head. The guy who was in Ghost, you know what I mean. The first two counselors, the older counselors. Well, actually, they all look really old, but they at least look really old, old. Not the point right now. That scene is pretty good. I liked him immensely, immediately, until he starts making bad decisions, which is not the point right now. But, and that's the first time that you get a little bit of ha-ha from the script, and it's okay there for some reason. And I felt bad for her, in particular. She was the right, she had the right idea. She's like, let's get the fuck out of here. She's like, I don't care if the tire's flat. I'm out of here. I know a lot of people criticize her because she's like, oh, look at her trying to buy Jason off with money. Like, that's going to work. But you know what? When you're in the life or death situation, you're going to try anything. How does she know? After all, Jason's a legend for all these. I don't know. Whatever. Fuck it. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And then there's the fucking paintballer scene, which is the worst of the worst in this movie for me. Because I realize this was stuck in later, but this is flat out. Not even sitcom. It's slapstick. And I, and I hate it. I just can't. It, it. First of all, this is the triple decapitation, which is kind of cool in theory, except they're all different heights and we're standing at, they were standing in a straight line. So the fact you got all three of them at the exact neck in one swing doesn't make any sense. And plus, that machete, because of the lighting, looked really fucking flimsy. It looked like it was made out of tin. So I was never buying the weight of it. I was never bought the threat of it. I hate this movie. The whole movie is a flimsy machete to me. Okay, let's keep going. There's that engaged couple. Oh my God. Let's stop for a minute. Let's talk about some costumes here. Okay, first of all, you met the whole group of counselors at the beginning. Who the fuck is costuming these kids? Who wears this shit? I lived through the 80s. Nobody dressed like that. That poor one, Paula... Paula, who, by the way, should have been the survivor girl, the redheadish one. You know, first of all, she, she, she had the hair of Adrian King and the fucking wardrobe of Laurie Strode in the first movie. They dressed her like a fucking dowdy old maid. She's in smock after smock, and sometimes the smock doesn't match the shirt underneath it. What are you trying to do to this girl? But she's the only one who cared about anything. She's the only one who cared about the kids. She's the only one who cared about doing the job. The only one who is remotely likable, and then she gets butchered. And I was like, fuck you. Instead of fucking Megan, who is the worst survivor girl ever. I mean, part eight's pretty bad, too. But this one, she's just so fucking flip about everything and unlikable. And she doesn't work at the fucking camp. She never does anything for the kids. Particularly that night. You know, yeah, okay, she does a little warm-up speech. But then, okay, the two main counselors aren't here. Court took off. But let's leave some more people alone, understaffed, to deal with the kids on the first night out so I can go follow my vagina for some guy who's in jail. Bad girl. Bad girl. And even in the final battle, she does nothing. She's completely superfluous. Her head should have gotten crushed. When Jason had it, that's what I should have said. She's boring. And plus, they put the camera right in her vagina. That's gross. That is gross. I hope they wipe that lens down really well because that is gross. I wonder if they had a stunt. Did they have a stunt cooch? Interesting thought. 
But yeah, and then there's poor Sissy. Sissy, 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 who's an actress. I don't remember her name either. But she was in a TV movie that I watched because of Justin Kurzweil from the Hysteria Continues podcast. Uh, he had mentioned it in his book, the slasher movie book, a TV movie called Deadly Blessings, which was, I think, the closest that you know ABC Sunday Night of the Movies ever came to a slasher movie about a strangler at a girl's school. And it had Ali Sheedy in it and Diane Franklin from, you know, Amityville Horror 2 and many other things. She was great in that. She sucks in this because as a character, she's given nothing to do. What do I remember about? Ridiculous hair. And that costume. Who the fuck put anybody in a half shirt with rolled up suspenders? I mean, rolled up sweatpants and suspenders. Because let me tell you something. I don't know if you noticed this. And if you didn't, I don't know how you couldn't. Because I don't know how it got past the costume department. I don't know how it got past anybody. Because when you add suspenders to tight-fitting, rolled-up sweatpants. Sweatpants plus suspenders equals camel toe. Little sissy camel toe. Other things I noticed, just before the drunk gets killed, he takes a last sip out of the whiskey bottle that's already empty. There's nothing in it, yet he acts like there was something in it. There's not a drop in it. Clearly, there's nothing in it. Okay, adding kids was an interesting idea. And that kind of worked until it turned into comedy. Towards the end, but we'll come back to that later. Because um, at least the kids, there's something to protect. There's a serious threat there. Like, is Jason going to go after the kids? There's a lot of menace there, and I don't think they used it to its full potential. And then finally went for comedy when kids started cracking jokes in a life and death situation like you would never do, ever. Also, let me, let me, let me remember correctly. I believe Jason was blinded in one eye at the end of part four. Tommy's machete went right through his left eye. Yet, in this one, he's got perfect depth perception because he's really good with those throwing knives. Like, how the hell can you do that? Because, like, let me, I just mentioned earlier, at Jekyll and Hyde, I wear a monocle. It's like a stupid steampunk kind of piece, but I can't see through it. So I spend all day not having depth perception. You don't know how many things I knock over? Do you know how many times I go to shake somebody's hand and miss? It's embarrassing. If this motherfucker can hit a guy between the eyes at, like, 50 paces, Bullshit! Of course, he wouldn't have had eyes anyway because, you know, the worms go for that first. But, you know, I come right, whatever, whatever. Gotta let shit go. But I can't. I can't. I can't. I'm just going through my notes now. And, uh, yeah, dead meat. Yeah, that, uh, back to the kids. When that kid was like, we're dead meat. Both of those lines, really dead meat. So what did you want to be when you grow up? They didn't have to be played like that. They could have been played sincerely with fright behind them. And they still would have been funny. But by going for the but bum by trying to be funny, you're not funny. That's the whole problem with this movie for me. It's trying to be funny, not funny. And in the final battle, Tommy's ball spot was showing. You can totally see how he's got a comb over. No, I'm not one to talk. I'm follicularly challenged. But I don't try to hide it. You know why? Because I can't anymore. So fuck you. Fuck you. And fucking just... He's like... He gets the boat out on the lake with this really obtuse 
way of killing Jason, which doesn't make any sense because he didn't drown there in the first place. He's like, I gotta get Jason to the bottom of the lake. And then Jason goes after him in the lake and disappears under the water and presumably is walking on the bottom of the lake. I'm like, isn't he already at the bottom of the lake, asshat? Shouldn't this be done? No. Of course not, you fucking asshat motherfucker, this one bitch. Oh, even at the end, when Megan pulls him out of the water and gives him CPR, she does it wrong. She gives him CPR and she does it wrong. Way to go, camp counselor. I'm glad this camp got shut down. These kids were going to die anyway. I hate this movie. I was bored. I was bored in the movie theater, and I was bored last night when I was watching it. Even Tyler Puss was bored. He was sitting there watching it with me, and he was just like, scratch my big fat belly. So I did, and that was more entertaining than this movie, and I'm sorry. I know so many of you are cursing me right now. But I don't tell no lies. And I'm not going to whitewash my feelings on this movie. I just... It was the death of the series for me. Because even though, um, well, I'm giving you a heads up, it doesn't get much better from here. All right. Spoiler, I really liked part seven. It gave me hope for the rest of the series, but the rest of it, I really kind of hate them from here on out. So expect me to be cranky when this series comes, when, you know, the, the extravaganza, spectacular, rather, comes up again. Because, like I said, this movie, this original movie, the original films in the series were so influential in the forming of my horror movie taste to have it mutate into something that's a mockery of itself. Uh, never worked. Even the kills in this aren't particularly inventive. At least in part five, you had the, um, what do you call it? Garden shears through the eyes and the leather strap around the tree. That was pretty inventive. This was all just like, blah, stab. Those two on the motorcycle, blah, stab. Oh, I forgot to say that engaged couple. They put that girl out for a sexy night out in the woods in a fucking Laura Ashley floral print, print sundress with, a, with fucking white leggings. White leggings in the woods with a sundress. Where's she going? To church? You cannot have made this girl look more dowdy, which, I mean, I realize this was filmed in Georgia. So who knows what redneck? Hi, Bradford. That they got to do the costumes. <laughs> Maybe, maybe there was a sale on church clothes. Maybe there was a sale at Dress Plus. I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> there's so much to hate for me about this movie. I like the scene in the, in the camper. I'll give it that. That's a good kill with the face through the wall. And him walking up behind the driver is pretty good, although the payoff, I think, sucks. Although you get the cool shot of him popping up with the truck at the end uh, the, before it blows up. That's cool. The little moments here and there. The part where Paula is walking through the kids' cabin and Jason's kind of stalking her through the window. That was a cool shot. Would have been better if it was not so well lit. Because those kids are supposed to be sleeping. It's really bright in there. Whatever. Sometimes, kids, the spectacular is not so spectacular. And that is why I play the polka. Because at least we can oom-pa-pa, oom-pa-pa, oom-pa-pa the night away. And before I wrap up this segment, I want to say a special thank you to listener Tara, who volunteered to come on the show because I had an idea maybe I'll bring someone on who loves the movie. And we can have a debate. But unfortunately, I just ran out of time. So thank you, Tara, for volunteering. I'm sorry that I suck, but my time management skills are awful. And um, yay. Yeah. 
for you. You know what, Tara? Even though I didn't have you on the show, just the fact that you stepped up to the plate and volunteered, I've just decided right now that you, listener Tara, are the Scream Queen of the Week. Good for you, girl. Good for you, girl. I hope you didn't clear a spot on your mantle for the tiara because you ain't getting it. Nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. You didn't even come on the show, bitch. People who come into my apartment to record don't even get a fucking tiara. So you could just, you could just go off and smell yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So until next time, hey. At least we know we're going to have a good time with Friday the 13th. Part 7, or Friday 13th, Part 7, as it's known. So, of course, I love it. And who doesn't love a good pearl necklace from their daddy? But anyway, get out of here. Get out of here. It's time for voicemail. We got a whole bunch of backed-up voicemails to take care of, so let's do that. And by the way, I'm not editing any mistakes because I don't have any time today, so you'll have to deal with my mouth fuck-ups. So come fuck up my mouth. Ew. Hey Patrick, this is Edward, that guy in Phoenix. Hey Edward. And I'm I haven't called you in a long time, but you haven't. Good show. Uh, <laughs> just glad to have you back and just been Yay. listening to you. So, um, did want to ask you something because I did like a quick search and I didn't see if you've ever seen it. Yes. Have you ever watched the movie Pontypool? Yes, I have. Uh, it builds itself as a zombie movie, but it's not a zombie movie. Or, well, actually, the critics keep on apparently calling it a zombie movie, well, it's but it's not. not a zombie movie. Um, really liked it. Uh, it. It has a weird, like, ending, but it mm-hmm. makes up for the weird ending with the closing credits, yeah. not counting the thing after the closing credits, which I confuses all of us. I think I watched that. <laughs> but Whoopsie. if you haven't seen it, I recommend it, and mm. I would even be willing to go up against the firing squad. <gasps> and if you have seen it, uh, and especially if you, you know, well, if you have seen it, I'd like to know what you thought of it. And if you've seen it and you've actually already reviewed it, then, oops, sorry. Oh, you did it again. Uh, my bad. That was a pretty serious job. I uh, hope you're doing well. Bye. Okay, Mr. Edward, that Phoenix guy. Oh, hold on. i got to fix the speaker thing. I'm out of practice. Actually, no, I'm not out of practice. I'm just on Brad's computer again. Yeah, uh, even though I'm done with the audiobook and the microphone is out of the closet, I plugged it into my computer and it's like, you need to reinstall the driver, which I can't find. So, and Brad's not home. So here I am on his computer again. So pardon my stumbling. And you know what's neat about you calling in right now? Is that you're like, hey, Patrick, welcome back. So it sounds like you just left this recently and not a month ago. And I don't remember where I was a month ago, but thank you for both welcomes back since they're both appropriate and I'm babbling. Yes, sirree, Bob, I am. Kind of like in Pontypool. What? Okay. Yeah, I see Pontypool. 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 Date school. Lazy pool. School days, school days, old Ben school days, Willie Mays, Willie Mays, that got nothing. That was kind of that Pontypool thing, but I did it last time I recorded this voicemail. Yeah, I actually answered this series of voicemails already. 
And I had done it on Brad's computer like 6,000 years ago when they first came in, and they've been deleted by Bradford, and that's okay. He didn't know. And I did something really funny then, so pretend I did something really funny now. I really liked Pontypool. Uh, I guess because I'm a verbal person, and I like the power of words, and I like things that words can do. So the fact that they took it there was interesting and new, and I could see why people lump it with a zombie movie, but technically it's not. I also thought it was kind of cool the way they kind of avoided all those violent scenes. You heard about them and you saw very little of them, but yet they were still scary. You know, the crowd taking over scenes. Anyway, I liked it. I liked the weird ending. Now I have to go watch it again because I didn't notice anything. Well, or rather, I didn't watch till the end of the credits. See, you taught me something here today, Edward. You taught me many things. I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, thanks for, thanks for calling in, Edward. Thanks for waiting to hear this voicemail. And talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, Patrick. How you doing, man? It's Tony from Huntington. Tony. Just got off the train, was listening to your Murder Party podcast. Very well done, sir. I'm uh, get home. You know, nice night. Nobody's here. They all went to my mother-in-law's in Queens. So I went down to the corner, picked myself up a couple of Sicilians. I'm going to go down to the basement and watch some men in leather tussle on Sons of Anarchy for the next hour. Um, so, uh, listen, I meant to call you the last couple of weeks. Yes. Because I'm really pissed off. I don't know what's going on with this country. I think you and I are about the same age. Uh, growing up, I grew up in Queens. You grew up in Long Island. Did you have Channel 11 and the Friday Night Monster movies, particularly like Destroy All Monsters? Yes. I don't know if you're like me, but I grew up loving those Japanese monster movies. Absolutely. So, like, Pacific Rim was, like, one of my big anticipated uh, movies of the summer. Right. I know it's not a horror thing, but, you know, it's giant monsters, which can be horrific if they were real, right? So, I go to see the movie, and I was totally blown away. Guillermo del Toro delivered on every level. Production design, the scale of the monsters, I thought it was just a beautiful movie. Even if, like, you know, the characters weren't solid like a Scorsese film, well, it was just probably the best ride I've had in the movies in a long time. And what happens? It gets speed out by grown-ups, too? Yeah, there's been a lot I don't know what the hell's going on with this country, man. Every time I tell somebody about the movie, they'd be like, oh, isn't that the one like the Transformers? Like, no, no. man, it's not the Transformers. It's Guillermo del Toro and a production design huh? team behind him. No. So I loved it. I recommend it. Yeah. Like I said, not a straight-out horror movie, but, you know, it's great to see on a big screen. If you're a fan of giant monster movies like I am, uh -huh. it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Another flick I watched over the weekend, which I've been looking forward to, is uh, The Last Will and Testament of Rosalind Leigh. Oh, it's the yeah. first film by first feature-length film by this guy, Rodrigo Godino. He's the editor-in-chief over at Rumorg Magazine. Oh. He's done some short films, and I thought they are very interesting stylistically. This is his first feature-length film, and I think he pulled it off great. It's basically uh, the story of this guy, Leon, who inherits his mother's house. Yeah, and as he explores the house and he determines that she was a member of this cult that worshipped angels. So it's basically him in this house and he actually did a very good job of like a one guy kind of scenario pulling off the acting and everything. I he uncovers things about his mother's life during his time at the house and uh, it's not a ghost story. It's not a possession movie. I don't know what exactly to call it. It might be a ghost story. I'm still trying to figure out the ending. I'm going to watch it again tonight, most likely. Uh, but it just has some great visual stuff. You know, the mother has all these artifacts around, and she has these embroidered sayings, like, uh, left on the wall. And one of them was, if you drop a knife on the floor, something like this, if you drop a knife on the floor, a woman will come. If you drop a spoon on the floor, a man will come. If you drop a fork on the floor, it will be neither man nor woman. Now, during the course of the night, a utensil is dropped, 
and a visitor does come. And, you know, in my opinion, it was one of the more interesting things I've seen in the movie in a while. I agree. Tony? <gasps> Tony, you didn't. You did. I'm so sorry I had to do that to you. But I did. Because you went over. You did a zombot. Ha, 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 ha. But that's okay. I was so wrapped up in the story, Tony. I completely didn't even look at the time. Didn't even feel like three minutes. But it was. It was. I'm hearing an echo. And no, I'm not. Okay, um, backing up Pacific Rim, unfortunately, I helped it to bomb at the Fox office. I wanted to go see it. It was when I was in a particularly poor period, so shelling out 16 bucks to go was really not an option because 16 bucks means 32 bucks because i got to take Mr. Bradford, and that's the way it is, and it just was not going to happen. And then I thought, oh, well, I heard that it was a 3D conversion and that the 3D was kind of muddy, and I'm like, okay, good, I could save some money, and then it was just gone. So that makes me sad, because that's going to squelch a lot of Guillermo del Toro's future big screen American events. So that is very tragic. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And fuck everybody else. Fuck everybody who went to see Grown Ups 2. I don't care if you had to go with somebody else, because they made you go. Fuck you. Regardless of what it beat at the box office, if you went, you'd die. Just die, Okay. Yes, and yeah, I loved big monster movies. I grew up on them, too, as I was saying earlier. I grew up on all that shit. On um, Fright Night on Channel 9 on Saturdays at 1 a.m. when I got older. It was the one on Friday night on Channel 11. And, of course, the 4.30 movie, which I talked about, which is something amazing every day during the week. And often had big monsters. It's Big Monster Week. It's Giant Animal Week. It's Planet of the Apes Week. It's Edgar Allan Poe Week and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I grew up with the love of that, too. Um... Please don't start making me don't make me sing the Mothra song. Is what I'm saying because I, I grew up wanting little Japanese girls to live in a clamshell and sing for me. Yeah. Um, the last will and testament of Rosamund Lee. Rosalind Lee. Now again, I'm acting surprised. Actually, I did forget this part of the voicemail, but I'm as surprised as when I first heard this voicemail because when I first heard this voicemail, I'm sorry, I can't speak. I'm out of practice. I had just finished watching it when I sat down to record. There were voicemail answers seconds before. So it was really fresh in my mind, and I thought it was really interesting too. Um, and I'm thinking maybe I should not finish this part of the answer because you called back to waste more of our time, you son of a bitch. Hey, Patrick, it's Trey. Hey, babe. I um, actually ended up seeing horror movies recently, but I read a book and I thought I'd call in because it's Ooh. right up People Valley. Um, it's called The Summer is Ended and We Are Not Yet Saved. It's by Joey uh, Como. I got it for my e-reader. It's on Amazon. Okay. Um, and the best way to describe it is it's a cross between Judy Bloom and Friday the 13th. Wow. Um, it's about a young boy named Martin. I think he's like 12 or 13. His mom sends him off to Bible camp for the summer. And there he meets people, makes some friends, falls in love, and then has to watch out as the killer starts killing everyone in the camp. Um, the first thing about the book that really it surprised me was the characterization was really good, especially early on. It really built up the character of Martin and the relationship between him and his mom. Um, the mom's a very unique, specific character, and they have a really good relationship. And then throughout the book, they have um, the email that she sent to him while he's at camp. You really get a good sense of the mom and the relationship she has with her son. 
So I wasn't expecting that. And then okay. other characters may not be the most fleshed out, but they're all really well-defined. But then when the murders start, the book is really brutal. Um, you know who the killer is off the bat. There's no surprise about it. And then it's just a really, it's a really hard book to read. Most of the victims are between 11 to 14, 15 years old, and there's a lot of killing. So it may not be for everyone. And the book isn't tongue-in-cheek. It's not quirky. It's not ironic. It's a very serious and pretty grim and bleak story. But So I can't say I really... I don't know if enjoyed is the right word, but I'm glad I read it, and it was really, it got to me. It got under my skin, and it felt like a really old 80s slasher film where there weren't, you know, before they became campy and winking yeah. at the audience, back, yeah. like the burning of the original Friday the 13th, where they were serious. Yeah. It just felt like that. Yeah. So the summer has ended, and we are not yet saved. may not be everyone's cup of tea, but if you want to watch a bunch of people getting knocked off by a killer, it's a good book. I definitely recommend it. Well, I hope you're doing well, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. I'm doing very well, Trey, my love. Thank you very much for going down this literary road because you also reminded me of some books that I read or book that I read, I should say, at this point. No, there's two books. But anyway, that book sounds really interesting. So that was The Summer is Ended and We Are Not Yet Saved, something like that. I'm like, ha, huh, because it's Bible camp, I see. It's a play on words. They're not going to be saved from the summer and they're not going to be saved this summer because they're dead. Oh, my goodness gracious. And I totally missed the guy's name, but... With a title like that, it can't be that hard to find. I have that echo again. And now I don't. Okay, so, yeah. God damn it, Brad. God damn you and your headset. Anyway, um... Yeah, I, slasher stuff is very hard to translate into a book, but I guess it is about summer camp, and you want to be realistic about it. That would be the age of people, so that is very, 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 very... Uncomfortable. Uh, what did I read? I read a book called Horror Show. And I picked it up, these little flea market, not flea market, but little, what's the word I'm looking for? Thrift store things down on, you know, all along the boulevard here. There's one that always has, you know, boxes and boxes of books out front to just rifle through. And I found this one called Horror Show. And it had all these, you know, 50 and I said, huh, oh, this is interesting. I put it over, and it was really about a filmmaker who was very much like Woody Castle, who stumbled into something genuinely supernatural and deadly throughout his film career. And I said, that was going to be really fun. And it was. And here's the weird thing. It was written by Greg Kinn. It didn't register to me right away. Greg Kinn, as it in. Or, 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 or
like that. And it's really good. Some of it is terrifying. There's one part about it. I can't say it's inflatable. Inflatable. I first thought it was a sex doll. A sex doll. But no, I can't say it's trying to make the rubber rubber inflatable. The same thing that happens in the world. It's not having to be weeping by the end of it. Beautiful story. There's a love story on the set. A story on the set. A bone on the dead. It's really, 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 really clever, clever, scary book. It moved me much more than um, Hard Hardship Box came close to. And the odd thing is, I'm not reading it, and I'm going, wow, that story was very Kelly Kelly Okay, I have totally run out of steam. Or perhaps I got the Pontypool infection for real now. I don't know. Well, the cat's pooping. I don't know if you can hear that. Scratch, 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 scratch. And when the cat is pooping and the host is babbling, it is time to wrap this puppy up for another week. Thank you all for your patience for the past time. Thank you all for hanging in there with me through this whole audiobook experience. I hope something good comes of it. I hope you at least get a kick out of what happens with it. And if you want to be like all these awesome people who called me like a month ago, except for Trey, who just called recently, uh, you can give me a call at 347-767-3509. Or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And that's Queens with a Z. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. You could check out everything going on over at Ruckle.com because they love me, so I'm going to love them right back. And you can just whistle a happy little ditty and be the whatever it is you are. See, I've got I've got nothing left. Nothing. Mama is burnt out and so is daddy. I embrace both the masculine and feminine personalities within myself and they are both tired and need a cocktail. Or a cock and a tail. Whatever. I'm not fussy right now. Any of the above, all of the above. I'm all good. So next time, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't see much coming down the pike. I do have a lot of catching up. There's a lot of stuff I've done for craft shoots. Maybe I'll find another guest. I don't know. I don't know. Halloween's coming so it's kind of a slow period so bear with me. Whatever it was, Will be, whatever will be, will be. The future is ours to see. Doris Day, Sarah. Um, what's happening? I don't know. What's what I meant to say was, if you want to keep abreast <laughs> of what's going to be coming up through the show, follow me on Twitter, Scream Queens, with a Z, of course, or on the Facebook pages, either Screamers, which is the discussion page for you guys, or the Scream Queens podcast group or vice versa whichever they are I don't know what's page which group what the fuck who knows which is just about announcements just follow that and play along at home because I like that oh and before I go I forgot to mention this earlier the other day I mentioned on Facebook and I had had a dream and I dreamed of Woody 
No, not that Woody. Woody, our listener in the UK. And normally, if you follow me on Facebook, me, not the show, I've had a whole series of elaborate dreams that I type out and then cast my friends in, or they cast themselves in. But what happened in this one was, I was teaching or maybe attending some sort of high school, I don't know, as was Woody. I think we were on faculty or some sort of guest of the school. And we had to drive there in the rain, like every day. It was always pelting rain. And in the car with us was this... overweight Hispanic girl who would cry the whole time going there. And it was really annoying and we hated her. We're like, stop crying. It's so depressing. It's raining outside. It's raining on your face. But when we get to the school, like every day before school, there was this elaborate talent show. But the thing was, it was the same talent show every day. So I don't, there was no judging. I don't know what the hell was going on. But the thing was weird. When you sat in the audience, the audience was partitioned. Like with cubicles, like in an office. So you couldn't see the stage. So in order to see the stage, you know, if the students liked you or if you were a special guest, you were given a a stepladder, not a stepladder, but an A-frame ladder to go and climb up on to watch the show over. And so since we were guests of the school, we got an A-frame ladder, Woody and I, but we only got one. So when we watch the show, I would have I would be sitting on top of the A-frame ladder, Michelle Pfeiffer, Grease 2 style, holding Woody in my lap, happily watching the show. And then, at some point, the talent show ended, and everybody left. But I couldn't get down, because my legs had fallen asleep, because of Woody. And I thought, okay, this is bad. I felt like that character in The Simpsons, The Simpsons fan, you know who I'm talking about. She's hanging from the from the rings, the gymnastic rings, going, hello, Mrs. Pummelhorse, I'd like to get down. That's kind of what it was like, but at the same point, I was like, no, this is okay. I'll wait. Someone will find us. After all, he ain't heavy. He's my Woody. And that you are, girl. You're my Woody. I don't know what all that means. I don't know why there was a Hispanic girl that was crying. I guess because she couldn't sit in she couldn't sit in my lap. But you did, Woody. And it was really weird. At the end of every act, you would clap with your butt. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> I just made that part up. Okay. It is really time to wrap this puppy up for another week. So until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, you know what? Grandmama's burnt out too. She ain't got nothing to say. <laughs> Happy Friday the 13th, y'all. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches. <laughs>